0: It's good to be with you again as we draw near to the close of another week. I'll be continuing today with our special theme for this Christmas season, grace. In my talk yesterday, I spoke about making room for God's grace and how this necessitates overcoming the great barrier of the self-life. I illustrated this from the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants or your slaves for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Those last words, light shall shine out of darkness, that Paul quotes there from Genesis chapter 1, really are a beautiful summation of grace. There's the darkness of our human life, our sin, our helplessness, our hopelessness. Nothing to commend us, nothing we can do to help ourselves. And in that darkness, God commands the light of his grace to shine out of the beauty of the face of Jesus. I already read earlier that scripture, Unto those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has sprung up. For me, that's the essence of Christmas. I don't think primarily of a little baby in a crib, but I think of God's light in Jesus Christ shining into the infinite depths of human darkness, dispelling that darkness, and bringing light and life and hope and peace. You remember we said earlier, there's never peace without grace. It's always grace first and then peace. Going back to Paul's words there, we saw the key to this marvelous transformation by which this proud, self-righteous Pharisee was willing to be a bondservant of people that he wouldn't have even spoken to before he'd met Jesus. And it's summed up in three stages. First, not ourselves. Second, Christ Jesus the Lord. And then ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Today I'm going to show you how the grace of God leaves no room for boasting except about the grace of God. That's the only theme that we can boast about if we're living in the grace of God. We have nothing left of our own goodness or our own righteousness or our own wisdom to boast about. Paul goes through this pretty carefully in various passages of the New Testament. In Romans 3 verses 27 and 28, he says, Where then is boasting? it is excluded. In other words, there's no room for it. On what principle? Why is boasting excluded? On that of observing the law? No. If we had observed the law perfectly, we'd have something to boast about. But on what principle? That of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. If we're justified by faith without keeping the law, then we have nothing to boast of. Boasting is excluded by the principle of faith. And then in the next chapter of Romans, Romans chapter 4, Paul goes on to apply this specifically to Abraham. It was very important for Paul that he could prove that this was the principle on which Abraham was accepted with God, because Abraham was the father of the whole um, race of Israel, and his experience was a key in which they could understand their own experience. So, Paul is very careful to point out that Abraham had nothing to boast about. He, too, was justified by faith without works. This is what he says, Romans 4, 1 through 3. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So, like all the rest of us, indeed, he's our spiritual father. Abraham received righteousness from God not on the basis of keeping any law or of his good works, but simply because he believed in God's grace, and on the basis of his faith, he was credited with righteousness. He received that tremendously wonderful credit card that I spoke about last time. When we aren't doing exactly what we ought to do, our faith is still credited for righteousness we can't pay in the cash of good works but we can extend the credit card of righteousness and paul reminds the corinthian christians what they had been and then points up the same lesson there isn't any room left for boasting 1 corinthians chapter 1 verses 26 through 31 brothers think of what you were when you were called when you first heard the gospel Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. There are three main things which cause men to trust in themselves. Wisdom or education, influence, social or political, and noble birth. And Paul reminds the Corinthian believers most of them couldn't boast on any of those three scores. But he goes on, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. That's an amazing list of what God has chosen. He's chosen the foolish things, the weak things, the lowly things, the despised things, and even things that are not, just to bring to naught all the things that are. And then Paul gives the reason, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Paul says we have nothing of ourselves. It's not our own righteousness. It's not our own holiness. It's not our own redemption. But in the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ has been made to us all these things. It's his grace in us that produces these things. And then Paul sums that passage up. Therefore, as it is written, and he's quoting from the Old Testament, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We have no other theme to boast about in time or in eternity. And then again in Galatians 6.14, one of the most amazing statements. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through the which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world if you knew the ancient world of Paul's day, if you knew what the cross stood for, it was the ultimate emblem of shame, of degradation. A Roman citizen could not be crucified. He had to be executed in some other way because it was too shameful and the Roman Empire didn't want to downgrade Roman citizenship. So there was a law that a Roman citizen could not be crucified. That's why Paul was not executed by crucifixion because he was a Roman citizen. It was the ultimate in shame. And Paul says the most shameful thing in our total culture is the only thing I want to boast in, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's how the grace of God was made available to me, not in any other way but through the cross. In closing my talk today, I want to emphasize just one more point in line with this theme of glory and boasting. All the glory throughout eternity goes to God's grace. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Let me just quote some beautiful words from Paul's epistle to the Ephesians. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. He, that is God, predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. So, that everything that God is doing to us is ultimately designed to bring praise to the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed. In other words, Paul reminds us that grace was free, it was not earned, it couldn't be worked for. Let me read another passage from the same first chapter of Ephesians. Just a little further on, the emphasis again is on God's grace and God's glory. In Him, that's Jesus Christ, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In other words, all is destined to bring praise and glory to God. And then in the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul goes on again on the same theme. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Notice the emphasis on grace. Raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That's an astonishing statement, isn't it? God takes the lowest the least worthy, the weakest. He bestows his grace upon them. He transforms them. He raises them up with Christ. He seats them with Christ. And his ultimate purpose is that through all eternity, he will demonstrate the surpassing riches of his grace in his kindness towards us. That's going to be the theme of eternity. It's staggering. The extent of God's grace. God takes the lowest and lifts them to the highest. But always with the purpose that all the glory should go to His grace and none of it to ourselves. So let's remember God's grace is always for God's glory. Thank you for listening. For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast and like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpm uk to join our online community derek prince teaching you can trust